Hello, everyone, and welcome to Saving Minds, the podcast that uncovers the best of what's new in the search for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease treatments. We are your hosts. I'm Shanti Skippington. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Elliot Goldstein. Today, we're very pleased to welcome a special guest, Inez Jabal-Parwala. She's the CEO of Brain Canada, and Brain Canada is an excellent organization that supports paradigm-changing brain research in Canada. The organization has single-handedly invested $250 million to fund a whopping 1,000 researchers across Canada, and that's quite an amazing achievement. Welcome, Inez. Congratulations, and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Shanti. It's a pleasure to be here with you and Elliot. Okay, well, let's let's get to our first question, Inez. Uh, of course, we're delighted to have you in Brain Canada with us today. And to kick off our conversation, how about just telling us a bit about Brain Canada, your core mission, and main activities? Brain Canada is a national charitable organization that was founded 20 years ago. Our vision is to understand the brain in both health and in illness in order to improve lives and to achieve societal impact. We design, we develop, and we fund research programs, and our work joins people, labs, and platforms across the country, as well as institutions, organizations, and sectors, in order to accelerate the pace of discovery and create the conditions to drive innovation. We believe that a diverse and interconnected brain research ecosystem will enable Canada to excel and to make even greater contributions. One of our milestone achievements is the Canada Brain Research Fund. It's an innovative partnership between the Government of Canada through Health Canada and Brain Canada, and it's designed to encourage Canadians to increase their support of brain research. Through this fund, Health Canada has provided $120 million in matching funds for every dollar raised by Brain Canada and our partners, and an additional $40 million was committed in the 2019 federal budget. Now, since our founding, we've invested more than $250 million to support 300 projects across 75 different disciplines. And as Shanti said, we've supported uh, more than 1,000 researchers, and they're based at 115 institutions. Of the $250 million of of particular interest to this audience is that more than $70 million has been directed um, for research on neurodegenerative disorders such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and ALS. And that represents nearly 32% of the funds um, and 88 grants. Thank you for all that interesting information, Inez. Um, When I was looking at your website uh, earlier, uh, I noticed that one of the key issues you wanted to address was especially as, as Brain Canada was kicked off almost two decades ago, but it was the fragmentation of research and development efforts in Canada as they relate to you know, brain research and development. Uh, could you say a bit more about this challenge of fragmentation and what you've done to sort of address this, uh, this obstacle or this challenge? Yes, and I think the fragmentation was really one of the drivers um, around the founding of Brain Canada, because at the time, there was no organization that was really devoted to understanding the whole brain as one interconnected system. So we tended to see research that focused on individual diseases or disorders or injuries, or funded through one institution or one province. And it was very difficult to get funding to really bring together the different parts to be able to do collaboration 
collaborative science. And that's where Brain Canada, after consulting with the research community over a period of, of, of several years, arrived at the conclusion that the significant gap in funding was around team grants that enabled researchers to come together across diseases, across disciplines, and across institutions. And today, I think, you know, we take that for granted that uh, brain research has always been about multidisciplinary collaboration, but that wasn't really the case. And we really focused on neuroscience only as the, the pathway to understanding brain. And now we understand that we, in fact, have to include many disciplines outside of neuroscience, and those disciplines need to converge. And we need to have a scientific leadership that really brings um, that conversion to, to happen. So we're very proud of being able to have served as this catalyst that has effectively now created a brain community that brings together uh, researchers, scientists, clinicians, organizations serving people with lived experience, philanthropists, corporations. And we work in partnership and we can count more than 100 partnerships with institutions, organizations and provincial agencies, for example. Wow, this sounds really exciting. You know, it's, it's quite interesting as a physician myself uh, working in the neuroscience area on neurodegenerative diseases at Promise Neurosciences, we're also seeing that the answers to the problems we're, we're addressing require collaboration and sharing across multiple disciplines, not just biology, you know, biological or pathological disciplines, but artificial intelligence, engineering, uh, big data, informatics, etc. Um, you, do you have the same feeling uh, with Brain Canada that these are really important sort of connections to make? Absolutely. And, and for a long time, as I said earlier, we really only focused on neuroscience um, as its own discipline. And now we understand that we need mathematicians and chemists and uh, physicists and engineers and, and computational scientists and a whole range of different fields um, because the brain is so complex. And so we need to bring together many different fields and disciplines in order to address this complexity. But funding has largely driven our ability to work um, in, in different paradigms. And when we provide funding that enables people to come together, what we find in Canada is there is a natural desire to collaborate, but the funding has to support collaboration and the funding has to enable researchers to work across any kinds of barriers. You know, and we developed a slogan years ago where we called science, you know, without barriers or borders. And it very much is our ethos about we need to address fragmentation by creating opportunities where people can work together in ways that did not previously happen. And that's the way you bring new thinking and new approaches in order to really understand the brain and brain disorders. I certainly agree with that with that excellent conclusion. So it's been two decades now. It's your 20th year. Are you doing anything special to mark this milestone? Yes. Yeah, so our, over the course of the past year, um, we've been promoting our anniversary, of course, on our website and social media. Uh, one of the things that I'm particularly proud of is that we've been able to showcase what we call 20 brain research stars who are Canadians who've made significant contributions to our global understanding of the brain. And, you know, I think Canada often is quite modest about our own achievements. And so, you know, we tend to celebrate the achievements of many others around the world. And we forget that, in fact, we're one of the pioneering countries in brain research, that when Walter Penfield founded the Montreal Neurological Institute and Hospital in 1934, right. that really became, right, the centerpiece for brain research. And Canada has remained one of the leading brain research countries in terms of output. 
I think a lot of it does have to do with our ability to collaborate. I mean, we discussed that previously, and I think it is important. But I think we're also a country that has had pioneering scientists who have been working in areas that have been important for advancing understanding. And so our, our showcasing of 20 of these stars was just hopefully a taste of, of the kinds of contributions we've made, but a window into the fact that there are many, many, many other scientists. And we could have, we could have continued this list and showcased hundreds of brain research stars in this country, including some of the younger investigators who are coming through the pipeline who have done exceptional work and are bringing new thinking and new approaches to our understanding. We've also produced uh, two videos, and they're available on our website, and they provide an overview of Brain Canada's 20-year history um, and a tribute to two of our founders, Alan R. Taylor, the former chairman and CEO of the Royal Bank of Canada, and the late Michael H. Wilson, um, who was the former um, Minister of Finance and Canadian Ambassador to the United States and a passionate advocate for mental health um, throughout his life. Uh, we put together an insert that was included in the Globe and Mail on, on April 27th of, of this year. And it featured some of our funded researchers who have made some um, groundbreaking discoveries. And we, we also provided, this was an opportunity to provide an overview of Brain Canada and what we've done over 20 years. And it was very well received by many people who'd never heard of Brain Canada before and were discovering us for the first time. Um, and then finally, we, we closed out our 20th anniversary year this past June, where we held a major event um, in Toronto at the Globe and Mail Centre. And it was a celebration. And it was a sold out event that brought together many leaders from the corporate philanthropic and research communities. And it was really an opportunity for us to highlight some of Canada's leadership in brain research and bring Canada's model of bringing together researchers from across the country. So, Inez, what a, what a rich history for Brain Canada, but just as importantly, or even more importantly, what an exciting future uh, looking forward. Um, you, you mentioned uh, uh, on one of your recordings, uh, as a Canadian, I, I was a little startled at the statistic myself, but one in three Canadians suffer from a brain disorder. Um, so one, uh, that's, you know, that, that, that's, uh, you know, a third of the population. I assume it's roughly similar. In fact, I know it's roughly similar in most developed countries. Um, in addition, approximately or up to 100 million individuals worldwide are suffering from the so-called neurodegenerative diseases, which is just a subset of all brain disorders, of course, as you know, with 50 million or so diagnosed with Alzheimer's, 10 million diagnosed with Parkinson's disease worldwide, and no root causes for any of these diseases. Um, tell us a little bit at Brain Canada, how, how do you prioritize which disease and disorder areas to, to work in? Because um, they're all meritorious, of course, whether it's depression, anxiety, the more behavioral disorders, down to some of the most uh, frustrating and and, and horrific neurodegenerative diseases. How, how do you go about prioritizing your work? Well, I think, you know, if you consider our model as looking at the brain as one complex interconnected system, it becomes less about prioritizing and more about understanding fundamentally how does the brain function. 
And, and then, of course, what are some of the underlying mechanisms that are common across many disorders, including comorbidity, where there are correlations um, among different diseases and disorders and, and injuries? And, and so I think that's the more important way of framing this question in thinking about how can we apply a broader lens to understanding that if we are bringing people who are maybe working in one area to understand their value and, and relevance to another area, and we start connecting people together across the country and across institutions and across diseases and disciplines, that's actually how we're going to arrive at answers to all of these conditions. Okay, sure. So if, if I understand correctly, sort of two tracks, if you like. One is to offer an avenue of support uh, for those brain disorders that are less well represented among charitable or uh, community-based organizations. And then your overarching objective, if I understood correctly, was to create a broader or better, deeper understanding of the brain, how it functions and or how it dysfunctions, not necessarily focusing on a particular disease entity or only focusing on a disease entity. So applying learning and knowledge across brain function. Um, a very interesting complement to some of the patient-centric organizations uh, uh, that are out there in 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 in, in the neuroscience uh, space. Uh, speaking of which, um, a, a, as you know, one of the highlights of the year in neurodegeneration is the uh, AAIC annual meeting. That's the uh, Alzheimer's Association International Conference, uh, which is mainly focused on Alzheimer's disease, but uh, other dementias and other problems as well. Um, Biomarkers were a big focus this year at the AAIC and are offering really exciting new potential for not only diagnosis of early diagnosis of patients, but also to follow early on whether therapies are truly affording a fundamental change to the patients. And um, what, what were some of the biomarker takeaways that, that you or Brain Canada uh, observed or, or, or saw at, this, at the recent AAIC meeting? Well, in Alzheimer's, um, pathological changes happen long before the onset of mental decline. So early and accurate diagnosis may be critical uh, to disease intervention, but also to patient care and planning. The issue is that current approaches to detect the classical hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease, such as amyloid and tau proteins, involve brain imaging or sampling of brain fluids, which can be invasive and are not readily accessible to all patients. So a big topic at AIC was on developing new screening and diagnostic tools for Alzheimer's disease, such as a blood test that could be more easily administered. We've been funding several projects along these lines to look for biomarkers that will enable earlier and more accurate diagnosis. One of our early biomarker programs, which is in partnership with CQDM, a Quebec-based biopharmaceutical research consortium, is led by Jean-Paul Soucy at McGill's Montreal Neurological Institute. And it's applied artificial intelligence to detect amyloid with a simple and sensitive eye scan. And this funded basic discovery science now has the potential for real-world impact as it's being developed into a company. And their approach was recently given a breakthrough device designation from the FDA in the U.S. Uh, to help propel their product to market. We've also been funding research to look for biomarkers outside of amyloid and tau proteins. So Eric Smith is leading a team at the University of Calgary to look for signs of damage to the brain cells that could be detected in the blood. 
and combined with new imaging techniques to detect neural, neuronal injury and, and that can check how well different parts of the brain are communicating with each other, this could lead to a more sensitive and accurate diagnostic test for Alzheimer's. And, and we do believe that better connecting research findings and practice um, is going to help ensure that every discovery along the pathway carries the potential to improve lives. So this is seen through our commitment to funding projects across the entire spectrum of research, including knowledge translation and exchange. And one of the projects that we're, we're funding right now is, is led by Mary DeMarco at University of British Columbia. And her team is studying how biomarkers for Alzheimer's disease impact clinical decision-making and healthcare costs, and will also address barriers to how diagnostic biomarker tests are implemented in routine care. So these are just a few examples, but we have several other projects that we're doing that are in a really exciting space. And, and I think they underscore that for many health charities, uh, we talk about the search for a cure, but we have to really think about not just cure, but also better diagnostic that are less invasive and more accessible, um, new treatment options and, and prevention strategies, um, ultimately, that will, will help us to improve quality of life. Really sounds exciting. And yes, um, you know, the advent of um, non-invasive biomarkers, especially uh, more simple uh, imaging techniques and particularly blood-based biomarkers really should revolutionize diagnosis, patient care and treatment, as well as drug development. So uh, those of us in biotech are really, really excited about this. Um, well, we're coming to the end of the podcast, and um, it's been a real pleasure having you and Brain Canada on as our guest. Uh, I'm sure our listeners deeply appreciate your perspective. Uh, and we certainly would look forward to having you back again and to follow up on some of the, uh, the great you know, progress you've been making uh, in, in, in Canada and with the whole brain. Um, to conclude today's podcast, though, is there anything else you'd like to add uh, or sum up before we close for today? We're now at an inflection point for brain science, um, and there's been a convergence of many disciplines and fields. I've been the CEO of Brain Canada for 18 years, and I've really seen the advances um, in how there's been a real collaboration across fields, across disciplines, across institutions, the intersection of technological advances and neuroscience and a move towards open access and data sharing. And I think there's so much promise now for discoveries that will be translated into preventing disease, into ensuring that we can maintain cognitive health over the course of our lifespan, and to personalizing approaches to diagnosis, treatment, and care. And, of course, to solve one of the greatest mysteries of all time, which is what it is that makes us human and what is human consciousness. It's going to be more important um, as we continue with these breakthrough discoveries to fund the full spectrum of research um, from basic research right through to population health and to also fund investigators who are at all stages of their careers, not only the more established investigators who, of course, are doing very exciting science, but also our early career um, investigators who will be helping us to bring new thinking and new approaches. And these are typically investigators within the first five years of their first academic appointment. So we have a grants program that's been hugely successful targeting this stage of a research career. And we hope to be expanding on that um, with an announcement coming up later this fall. So we're very excited about some of the new things that we're able to do in the space. But at the same time, we want to keep focused on the huge capacity of Canadian research and to continue to raise the profile of our world-class brain researchers, because we believe in them, in the capacity and the excellence and 
we know that they're willing to take risk to advance understanding, and we need to also take risk and support their pursuit of bold ideas. Inez, thank you so much for joining us today. This will end our Saving Minds podcast, but we certainly look forward to following uh, on with the, uh, you know, following the, uh, the, the the coming future successes of Brain Canada. Um, 18 years behind you and many, many more to go, uh, but with clear, clearly light at the end of the tunnel, given your holistic and broad approach to the brain. Um, delighted once again to have you uh, join us and we look forward to speaking again. Thank you.